This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. Tannin' Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Buccaneers football is back, but that means it's the hottest time of the year for us Floridians. If you're planning on going to any of the games this year, make sure you check out our friends at Cool Towel. It's an all-natural, instant cooling towel. No water, no refrigeration, no prep of any kind is needed before use. Just take it out of the bag, shake it up, and it's good to go. Best of all, you can use it again when you're done with the resealable pouch. Make sure you check them out online at cooltowel.com, and when you place your order, tell them Red sent you. Understand that this is the 2018 Bucks. You know, it's a whole different vibe, whole different energy. You know, it's like, ah, oh, you know what I mean? You can, you can smile a little bit, you know? And since I got here, man, we've just been grinding. And guys got the same exact goal, man, and just coming together as a team. Here's. Leroy's after it. Sacked by Gerald McCoy. And William fires over the middle of Giles. Open 40. It's a foot race. OJ Howard touchdown Tampa Bay. I'll start up the gut. He goes to the end zone. Inside the 2-1. Touchdown Tampa Bay. That's intercepted. And the 10. Going coast to coast. High three, two, one. 2 one Touchdown Brent Ryan. Yeah, those up the middle. That's intercepted. At the Derek 40. Brooks. Derek Brooks 30. Ron Alexander will take it to the house. Welcome back down to earth, everybody. Buccaneers were riding high at 2-0 just a week ago. Headed into Monday Night Football with a chance to go 3-0. Take the loss to Pittsburgh at home, 30-27, and fall to 2-1. We're going to talk about that first loss of the season and much more here on a brand new episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. If you're watching live with us on YouTube or you're listening on iTunes and Google Play Music. We are back for episode 34. I am your host, Rhett. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Evan. Evan, how you doing? Doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Um, You know, I told myself after the game on Monday night that it was going to take me a couple of days to get over that loss. I I mean, it, it was a very, very close game for what it was. Um... And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we kind of go into the game a little later. But the first loss of the season is is always the hardest. But I guess the, the way that I got to look at it is you and I both picked the Bucks to go 1-2 and two out of this first uh, three-game series. And, and, and they flipped us on our heads and went 2-1. and one And they lost the only game I picked them to win. So I guess it couldn't be all too bad, huh? Yeah, I mean, you know... Just like you said, one and two, and now they're two and one. So, if if you would have told many fans that that this team would be two and one after three games, they would have easily taken it. So, don't get too far down. And you know, something else we got to think about too is that this team didn't look bad at all. 
You know, the uh, the common point about this game, the Buccaneers trailed big. I believe it was a 20-point deficit at halftime. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, it was it was 30-10 to 10 at halftime, wasn't it? Yep. Exactly. 30-10. to 10. Steelers didn't score a point in the second half, but the Buccaneers came out the second half, and they did what they do best. Well, they did what they've been doing best this year so far, and that's just they played football. These guys went out there, they competed, and they kept themselves in the game 27 to 30 the final score there. And if we're being honest here, it really should have been a 41-30 football game, uh, but there were some uh, questionable referee calls that brought some points off of the board and both of those they really sucked. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw uh your post on Instagram after the game and stuff and seemed pretty upset there. Oh, man. I I had said you know, I I don't do this often. Um, I feel like I should do it more as a Bucks fan, but I really don't do this often. But that game really just got to me on a personal level, and it's because of those referees. And it wasn't even because of the calls on the Buccaneers' side of the ball. It wasn't even the 14 points they took off of the board. You know, looking at the Deshaun Jackson touchdown that was called back, I believe, was it Isaiah Johnson who was holding? Who who was it that was holding yeah. in that play? Yeah, yeah, it was Isaiah Johnson. And it was pretty much right there, I believe, uh, at the line of scrimmage or somewhere that was away from Deshaun Jackson that it was really hard to tell. Um, you know, looking back on that, we didn't get a whole lot of explanation, at least being at the game. It was literally the call, and there were no replays. There were no replays of the hold. There was no implication of what had happened. It was just a hold on the receiving team, and it was brought back, and that's what killed us. Um, and so that one hurt my heart. And I think the reason this game just ended up hurting me a little bit more than any other game, and, and don't get me wrong, I I think out of those three teams that we played, weeks one, two, and three, I would have preferred to lose to the Steelers because I typically like the Steelers and some of their fans. But being in Raymond James, in your home stadium, and where I was sitting was, I mean, we were neck deep in Steelers country. It was terrible. And so... Just that whole thing, um, you know, that whole atmosphere throughout the whole game is really what started to get to me, and it, it did feel embarrassing. But uh, as we brought up earlier, something good to come out of this game and just look at is the Buccaneers did compete, um, and they proved to everybody that I, I think we're going to be a little bit better than we think we are, uh, especially looking ahead and, and going into Chicago. Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough test in Chicago. It, it really is. Um and I, I understand. I understand your frustration. You know, you were saying that that, that you like the Steelers. Um, you know, I did see a lot of Steelers fans there. Uh, were you guys? I mean, obviously, if you guys don't know, Rhett's girlfriend's actually a Steelers fan, so that counts as one. And I just saw there's a ton of yellow there. So were you guys on like on the on the home side or? Oh, uh, we were. Um, we were on the pirate ship side, so I assume that's the home side. Um. So we we're on the side of the pirate ship, and we were up on the upper decks, section three forty-two, I think it was. Um, so we were way up there in the nosebleeds for the first half of the game, and all up there, I'm, I'm talking like rows and rows and rows, at least until if I look to my left side, I saw nothing but terrible towels all the way down into the other end zone. Um, <laughs> And so, after the first half, uh, I was a little upset, but we did have some friends who were with us at the game. They had a lot better seats than we, uh, than we did, 
So they sent us a text message and said, hey, man, we got some really good seats down there. So we were able to move down the section. Were they also Steelers fans? They were not. They were Bucks fans. And, and luckily, okay. when we got there, it was nothing but Bucks fans as well because that made it a lot better uh, for me. I don't know about... I don't know about my girlfriend. I can't speak for her, but I mean, when you're leading thirty to ten at the half, I don't, I don't think she cared who she sat around. Um, yeah. So we were able to get a little bit better of a little bit better of a view. Come that section, uh, second half, we got down to section two hundred one. So it was nice to sneak down there. But taking a look at this game, um, you know, at the very end of the day, no matter which way you look at it, this game was heartbreaking. Uh, but as mad as we can get about the bad calls, the um, the Fitz turnovers, and, and the lack of a run game, which I was going to ask you about here in a minute, uh, all, all hurt feelings aside, I'm very proud of this team. I had mentioned this before. Uh, you and I both said this team would go 1-2. and two. The rest of the NFL and pretty much the rest of the football media said this team would be 0-3 right now. At this very moment, heading into week four, the Buccaneers are sitting at the top of the NFC South. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty much all you can ask for with this football team this first quarter of the season. So, headed into Chicago, tough task ahead. Uh, we do know the Bucks struggle against those 3-4 defenses. And, I mean, Chicago, dude, they lead the league in sacks right now. And with Khalil Mack, they really aren't anything we should joke about right now. No, not at all. I mean, they lead the league in sacks. They're second in takeaways. and um, They have the number one rush defense in the NFL. Teams typically do not run on them, so... I wouldn't expect the run game to really improve much this week. Just be, I mean, uh, the run game does need work, but it's also just a bad matchup, you know? So um, I wouldn't expect the run game to uh, all of a sudden, you know, be on fire and get 100 yards. That That's not that's not going to happen. But the Bears, it's weird because they have a lot of talent, but it seemed like the once Khalil Mack, Got there. That's when it's all coming together. And they also have Roquan Smith, middle linebacker, who they drafted. Um, so I mean, they seem like the team. Like, I mean, they came to town last year, right, versus the Bucks, and and the Bucks whooped them. And this team, this Bears team, isn't much different on the defensive side of the ball, besides Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith. But those two guys have just been monsters. Uh, big big test for the uh, for the Bucks tackles, uh, and you know just. You got to somehow just contain them. You're not going to be able to stop them. You just got to be able to contain them. And uh, I honestly, I'm going to go out and say that based on off of the first three weeks and looking at each team, this is probably the toughest game the Bucks will play yet this year. Okay. Now, uh, talking about containing that Bears defense, I wanted to take a second and talk about the Buccaneers O line because week one and two, these guys were playing lights out. I believe out of the first two weeks. Even against the Super Bowl champion Eagles, uh, Fitz was only sacked one time. Now, you take a look at this Pittsburgh yep. game on Monday night. Fitz was getting his ass whooped in the backfield. I, I mean, he was getting hit a lot when you compare it between uh, the first two games and, and just the level that these guys were playing at. And, you know, something I did want to notice was uh, I'm a little disappointed in my guy, Ryan Jensen. You know, we saw a lot of calls on him in particular um, whether it was holding or I believe it was just mostly holding calls, but uh, that O-line didn't look as great as they should have Monday night. And I mean, against... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. And, and I mean, you know, they didn't look as great as I thought they should have. Um, 
and, and we had talked before the game, that Steelers defensive front didn't really seem I don't know. It didn't seem all too intimidating when you when you compare it to the uh, first two games of the year. You're talking the Saints defensive line and the Eagles defensive line, two of the better lines in the league. Now, the Steelers have always had a very high-power defense, um, but this past offseason, that was just something they lost a lot of weapons on, was that defense. And they were they were able to get to fits a lot, and, uh, and that worried me. Yeah, uh, well, like I said, Scott Reynolds, Peter Report, uh, our partners over at Peter Report there, uh, PeterReport.com, he, he put out his uh, Fab Five today, comes out every Friday, and um, in, the, in his little notes section, is the Steelers game notes, he said, you know, Ryan Jensen didn't play well, and, and part of it might be because, you know, he was listed right before the game, right? He's listed with an illness, said it was questionable. So maybe... That had something to do with it, but I do agree. He was, I believe he had one or two holding calls, but then he just, he let too much go by. Um, I mean, you know, the run game is definitely going to need him to step up. I mean, it's not just Peyton Barber, folks, you know. Um, it's it's the guys blocking for him, too. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's, a lot of people, this is something that Scott also said, uh, a lot of people are going to blame Fitzpatrick, and, when you go back and look at the tape, he actually didn't have a bad game at all, actually. Um, two of the interceptions weren't 100% his fault. Um, the one interception that was was the pick six, but speak, going back to Jensen, Jensen got pushed right back into Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that forced Fitzpatrick to overthrow the ball. Um, and, and, I mean, those three turnovers right there killed him. Uh, they had four turnovers in the first half. That can't happen. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, but they. This is a this is a, a thing for for hope, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot more on on the Steelers game in particular. But I am going to say this: Chris Godwin had probably the worst game of his career. Right? He followed the ball when he, he was trying to get extra, extra yards. This is nice, almost like what Mike Evans was doing two weeks ago, right, against the Eagles. And he fumbled the ball, so it gave the Steelers the ball back, and they scored. Right? So then. Chris Godwin also later in the game, Fitzpatrick, I believe, was the third and goal, right? And Fitzpatrick threw the ball. He was a nice pass, and Chris Godwin dropped it. Um, it was a tough catch, but it's one that he normally makes, and he had it in his hands, and the corner was just able to to get his hand in there, and he just let it go. Uh, the Bucks ended up having to settle for a field goal then, and Gil, guess what? If they scored a touchdown there, they would end up winning the game. So... They had my point is they had four turnovers, and one of the worst games from one of their most consistent players, and still lost by three points. That's that's all. That's all I'm saying. You know, it's four turnovers in the first half. The Steelers had one, so the Steelers had three less turnovers, and they still, and 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 they still now yes, the Steelers penalties did help, but the Steelers are one of the most penalized teams in, in the NFL. But, um, yeah. It, Four turnovers, it can't happen again. I mean, if it happens versus Chicago, I think that's going to end up being a blowout because, I mean, this it's in Chicago. Uh, Bears have a, a better defense than the Steelers. It's just, it would just be tougher. So that that can't happen again. But, like I said, j- just a reason for, for some optimism here. Yeah. And uh, the last thing we'll kind of touch on talking about this Monday night game against the Steelers is – you know, the elephant in the room, something that everybody has mentioned at least one time this week, if not the week before that, 
in the week before that. But that is this co- uh, quarterback controversy oh, narrative boy. that is brewed up here in Tampa between Jameis Winston returning off of a three-game suspension and Ryan Fitzpatrick doing his thing for three games. Now let's take a look at Ryan Fitzpatrick against the Steelers here. 411 yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions. Uh, looking mm-hmm. at this game, it's very easy to blame Fitz, but the fact of the matter is that he threw three touchdowns and 400-plus yards with an offense that had zero run game the entire football game. And he was he, under pressure. Most he of was night. fighting off blitzes the whole yeah. game. As I mentioned before, he got his ass kicked in the backfield. I mean, even when they were coming back, he still had to – I mean, they were, they were having success, but Fitz still had to escape the pocket and make the throw. He couldn't sit in a – there wasn't one highlight that you see when he's sitting in a clean pocket that makes the throw. It just it wasn't there. Right. And, you know, something to look at here is you can look at the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions, but let's take a moment and talk about how he is the only NFL player in history to throw for three – 400-plus yard games in a row. Right now, he still leads the NFL, um, I believe, in passing yards. I don't remember the exact number, but he's still number one on that list, which isn't something you can take away from him. But let's uh, let's look at how this matches up with Jameis Winston, who is coming back, as previously mentioned, a three-game suspension. Now, from what I've heard, and you can correct me on this if I am wrong, but from what I'm hearing, it looks like Fitz is... Pretty much going to be starting against Chicago. They haven't said it, but yeah, it, I, I've been people that have asked me this. I, I've just told them I haven't confirmed anything because I don't know anything. But I just told them if if I'm guessing, it, yes. If I had to guess, it would be Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Now Fitzpatrick starting against the Bears, I have no problem with. But something that we can't ignore coming off of this Monday night game is that Fitz threw three interceptions. But let's take a look at every pass that very well could have been an interception and should have been an interception on the Steelers' defender part or whoever dropped the ball. I can count at least three more passes in that game that could have potentially been caught for interceptions. And let's say Fitz does throw five interceptions that game. I mean, at this point, you know, at this point, what do you do? Because, you know, Jameis Winston, a lot of people can argue that he's rusty. He's not ready. It's a short week. But I'll say this. I think Jameis Winston is a lot more ready than people think to get back into uh, playing in the NFL, leading a team. Um, he, he had that whole minicamp thing with a lot of the older Bucks players and a lot of the older guys who just aren't around the league anymore. He was pretty much running the same drills that he would at Bucks practice, and he was surrounding himself in an atmosphere where he can just train and get better and, and basically just – be ready to come back. Now, if I really had to choose, um, I I would love for Jameis to start this week, but it's not really looking like that's going to happen. Um, but at this point, do we feel good about Jameis coming back after the bye? Does that feel solid? No, I don't know. I don't because you don't know how Fitzpatrick's going to play. If he goes out there and throws four touchdowns and no interceptions or four, one interception, and they win. He goes, Let's say he goes out there and throws 400 yards, four touchdowns, and four interceptions. But we win the game. Win. Yeah, you keep him in. You keep him in. It's, a, it's about winning games. And <sighs> if they feel like Fitzpatrick, 
Yeah, I would keep him in at least one more week. At, at least, one, but I would hold him on like a very short leash. Like if he would have another performance like that against Atlanta and they would win, I'd probably go to go, go to Winston. Yeah, but what you're, the message you're sending to the locker room there? If he throws four touchdowns, four hundred yards, four picks, but they win, the and and you bench him for Winston. The message that you're sending to the locker room is, hey, you know, this guy win one, but we don't. Like we don't have faith in him to keep doing it, and they, a lot of those players might take offense to that. The pl- players are weird with that stuff, man. Right. So I do think that factors into it, but yeah, I would keep him in. I don't think that's going to happen because uh, the Bears' defense is you know just deadly, and like I said, it's in Chicago. So yeah, um, I do think the Bucks will have some success because I think the Bucks' offense is still really good, but. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't see it happening. I think what what I think is going to happen is I'm not going to say he's going to win or lose, but I'm going to say Fitzpatrick starts in Chicago. I'm not going to say say how he plays, but I think I think Winston might come back week six versus Atlanta, just because of him having the bye week, um, him having a full week this week, bye week then the full week for Atlanta. I think it'd be much more beneficial. Um, now two and there's a big difference between two and two and three and one. So if they have any, if they have any doubt, just like you, 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 it seems, sounds like you have some doubt about Fitzpatrick. I don't feel as good as I did. uh, I I don't feel as good as I did about him heading into, uh, say the Eagles game, for example, you know what I mean? You and I, you and I had kind of agreed that heading into that Steelers game, something felt off, Right. Like, something yeah. felt weird. And I, yeah. I feel like that's... I feel like that feeling... At least for me. I don't know about you. I can't speak for you. But at least for me, that all feeling was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because he's the type of guy... I don't know if he's going to be good every single week. And that's my main problem with Ryan Fitzpatrick. With Jameis Winston... I don't exactly know if he's going to be good every week, but I know damn well he's going to produce, and I know that he's going to use every weapon on that field. And just, I I don't know. I'll just say that I have a more solid feeling about Jameis under center than I do Fitz week by week by week. You know, all I'm going to say is if you look back at that. Now, I I, I saw, I believe it might have been been Stephen White saying this. Um, He went back and he looked at, he looked at Fitz's throws. Now, he threw 50 balls, right? He said that uh, – I can probably pull tweet here. He said that, you know, out of his 50 throws, that including the pick six – now, he just got to watching the film. He said including, including the, the pick six, he said Fitzpatrick probably threw four to five bad balls. That's pretty good, right? For the whole game. So, I mean, for the whole for the whole game. So now this was his this was his exact tweet. Okay, and this guy tweets a lot. Hold on. Um, but anyways, basically, what I'm just trying to say is he wasn't as bad as, as some as some people have said. Um, oh no, of course not. I mean, he, he broke an NFL record. <laughs> to me, he he wasn't he wasn't good, but he wasn't bad. Like it was. Because, like I said, like you said, you know, he's under duress that whole night, right? And, I mean, Steelers just for some reason, they they had a good plan. 
they did. You know, you got to give some credit to your opponent every now and then. And, um, when when they when they do well, they do well. And I mean, the the tip ball in in a red zone that that can't happen. But I mean, that's not really entirely on Fitz. He's just trying to do his job and throw the ball. Right. Um, and I mean, one in, in the NFL, when it gets tipped up in the air for that long, it's very unlikely that an offensive player is coming down with it. Um, it was up unlikely. there for a while too. That, like, yeah. That, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was up there for a good bit. Um, and then the pick six was his fault. But like I said, off of the line, kept getting pushed back into him. And then the the second interception was a, just, just was a miscommunication. So I, I can't tweet but yeah it was something it was something like um four to five passes or something and um that that were bad including the picks so i don't think fitzpatrick played that horribly um but like i'm gonna say if they have like any doubt that like fitzpatrick can't win then i would start winning but i think they still believe in fitzpatrick and to me Based on his second half, they give me no reason not to right now. So, you know, I it could come back and bite me, but if he goes out here and in Chicago throws, you know, three interceptions again, but only time will tell, you know. Um, I, I do think that Fitzpatrick needs to keep winning. I think it doesn't really matter how he plays. If they lose, I think they're going to put Winston in anyway. Um, but so if he keeps winning, he's going to stay in. Now – Let's say the Bucks win the next game, but you know, for example, Fitzpatrick isn't the reason the Bucks win. He goes out and two touchdown, two interception. Uh, he throws that kind of game. Bucks do walk away with the win. We can still be pretty confident in, in what a Jameis Winston return after the bye week, because for me, that's the ideal situation. Well, I, that's probably the toughest situation. Fitzpatrick doesn't play great, and the Bucks still win. Um, thank God I'm not the head coach on that one because that's tough. Because, like I just said, you know, as long as Fitzpatrick keeps winning, you play him. To me, two interceptions, two touchdowns, that's not a bad game. You know, if you want to talk about that as a bad game, then Jameis Winston's had a lot of bad games. Right. Uh, but, I mean, he goes out there, throws one touchdown, three interceptions. The run game finally comes alive and the defense plays out of their minds. Yeah, I might start Winston on the bye, after the bye week. I, I might. Okay. Now, we've talked about this high-powered Buccaneers offense and what they can do and pretty much what they have to focus on going into Chicago, and that is Khalil Mack because I don't think there's any other player in the league or maybe a handful of players in the league that can change the complexion of a football team like Khalil Mack has done with the Bears. But let's look at this Buccaneers defense because we have got a little bit more question marks than we do heading into this game than we did last week. You've got starting safety Chris Conti is out for the year after playing injured against Pittsburgh. and He, he can say, come back sometime. And, and I'm sure he will. But let me say this yeah, really I'm, quick I'm, I'm as not well. sure when it is. I'm not sure when it is, but he can. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and by the way, guys, when I said this was going to be Chris Conti's final year in Tampa, this isn't how I pictured it. So. Yeah, it, 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 I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't wish an injury on the guy. As soon as he went down, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, oh my god. Um, <laughs> I was also thinking about the fact that this is uh, 
th- this is the first game that you predicted the Bucks to win, and they lost. So yeah, I was going to give you a hard time about that, but I will never predict the Bucks to win again. So don't worry about that. <laughs> they're, going, they're going two and fourteen. Awesome, awesome. I think that was actually like the first message on the live chat was the Bucks are going two and fourteen this year. Um, but we know that the Buccaneers have to focus on that defense in Chicago. Let's talk about the Bucks' defense. You know, Chris Conti, as we had said before, he is out for an extended period of time. So you're looking at Justin Evans, who is very good, and you're looking at Jordan Whitehead. Oh, so Jordan Whitehead is a person for me who, you know, the kid's got talent, but I legitimately haven't paid attention to him enough or seen enough of him to know just how valuable he, uh, valuable he, he can be on the other side of that safety position. So, for people like me who just haven't been keeping an eye on this kid, kind of fill me in. Uh, how are you feeling about this whole safety situation uh, with a younger guy? Honestly, I'm feeling pretty good. I am. You know, it's uh, it's definitely a risk. It's not. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh man, well, no, now the Bucks are set at safety." Now, because guess what, guys? Chris Conti was not the only problem on this defense. Okay. Um, Jordan Whitehead's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to make rookie mistakes. Justin Evans is still only his second year. You know, he doesn't even have 20 starts under his belt. So, I mean, he's still going to make mistakes. But, yeah, I mean, just like you said, he's turned into a player, man. He's yeah. turned into a player. He's he's having a special year so far. Special year. I mean, that interception was nuts. Oh, I and it was crazy, too, because I didn't even see it coming. Like, we were watching the play. The whole time. I, yeah, I, just, didn't, I didn't see it. He came out of nowhere. Just the athleticism of it, because that's not the only interception he's ever had like that. You want to talk about yeah, a yeah, very yeah, exciting yeah. interception oh. he had uh, was the Miami game last year. Yeah. The yeah, right diving the interception in the end zone. He came out of nowhere to snag that football. And he did that against the Steelers, and it, it, I, I just about shit myself because I didn't – I had zero expectations. I didn't see him leading into the, uh, leading into yeah. the pass or anything. Um, yeah. So yeah, normally, you know, normally I can see when like there's a lot of traffic or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I saw an open receiver, and then all of a sudden there's a buck guy, and I was like, oh, exactly. And he and then, he, and then he kept two football. feet in. I didn't think he kept two feet in at first, and now I'm looking at the replay. I'm like, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we know that Justin Evans is a pretty solid player for where he is right now. Little, uh, not too much experience. But he goes out there and he does his job, and that's not anything we need to worry about. Now, shifting over to Jordan Whitehead, do you feel like, personally, that Jordan Whitehead can bring more to the table than Chris Conti has? Oh, um, hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult because they are two different players. Um, Chris Conti, isn't, he's a, good, a decent tackler. You think Jordan Whitehead not- would have tried to tackle Vance McDonald low? Yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, Jordan Whitehead likes to, I don't know how, you know that, Conti, like, honestly, like, like, six we're, five two seventy. both of us here on the show, both don't think Chris Conti's the worst player on the team, he's not, but, I mean, that was horrible, I, yeah, I don't know why, like, I know, it, I, that's not even in football, when a bigger guy, I mean, you, you get that from watching anything, you take his uh, legs out, that's rule number yeah. one. Exactly. It's it's in any fight, any whether it's WWE, whether it's a movie, whether it's football, anything in life. You when you have a bigger guy and he's trying to to run at you and trying to get by you and you want to stop him, you don't go high, and especially when you're that much smaller than him. So 
I do think that, I mean, they play two different styles. Jordan Whitehead is more of a hard-hitting type of guy. Um, I feel like he might take a bit more chances, which might get him a little caught, you know, rookie. Like I said, rookie mistakes. But I do hope that, and I think the Bucks hope that they have their guy in Whitehead. Um, so I think they hope that Whitehead can be, this is how I think they, they see it. I think they see a Pro Bowl star safety in Justin Evans. And I think they see a guy who can be a decent not great, not really, maybe even good, but a, a decent right hand man in, in Jordan Whitehead. So I'll take it. You know, if if those are your two safeties, I'm I'm fine with that. Especially, I mean, how about Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart, man? Oh yeah. How about we guys? we saw a lot of good defense from those guys, and I mean, you're looking at the matchups that they had in front of them. Brent Grimes is horrible. Yeah, Brent Grimes was horrible in that Steelers game. Um, but I mean. We were just talking about the uh, the great defense we saw from the rookies. When you compare that to the game uh, to the game that Brent Grimes had, yeah, those those guys looked a lot better than he did. Um, a lot. I mean, better. there's I mean, there's no arguing that. And I mean, Ryan Smith not getting the one snap, just played his oh. best game. He he played better against Philly. Oh man. Than, than than Grimes did against Pittsburgh. Way better against Philly than Grimes did against Pittsburgh. So you mean to tell me that? Your your reward for this guy that is, you know played a great game played Cutter is, said the game of his career his, his reward is getting no snaps right right and, and that's definitely not a way to do it but the question then becomes does that pretty much show that on the defensive side of the ball in the secondary they believe that Brent Grimes is their top guy they believe that he is going to get prioritized over guys like. Uh, Ryan Smith and Carlton Davis. Now, Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart did have snaps, um, but let's talk about Frank Ryan Grimes Davis in particular. Ryan Davis, you can buy the name. Ryan now. Smith, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, well, first of all, I mean, Brent Grimes definitely is their guy. Um, but I'm just going to say right now, I was expecting the Buccaneers to to go out and maybe sign a free agent cornerback this offseason or draft one pretty high. I don't think that now. I, re- I know it's only the, the third game, but I think Carlton Davis is going to hold his own. I think MJ Stewart's going to keep developing. And now, I mean, this really relies on Ryan Smith, right? But then also, who are we forgetting? Vernon Hargraves. He's back for next year. So I don't think the Buccaneers are going to address cornerback that much. I really don't. Um, they they maybe you know in like the second, third round maybe. Uh, but I don't see their first pick being being a corner or a safety for that matter. I think they're set in the secondary for a while. I, I really do. I think it's that first round pick is either going to be an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. You think that's why they? Uh, I think that's why they passed on a guy like Eric Reed. Yeah, I think because they they feel confident in Jordan Whitehead. Now I think it's different if Jordan Whitehead goes out and against uh, New Orleans when he came in and against Philly when he came in looks absolutely awful and loses the game for him, I think it's a bit different story. But, I mean, I still think Jordan Whitehead's the cheaper cheaper option. You know, he doesn't really come with any baggage, even though I don't really consider what Eric Reed's doing baggage. But um, I I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I don't, I don't consider that baggage. Like to me, that's I don't not, think it's something that, that holds him back as a player. Essentially, no, 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 no. That has nothing to do with him as, as a football player. He's a good yeah. football player, right? Like I, I would want him on, on my football team, but um, it's it's tough. But yeah, Whitehead, Evans, D 
Davis, Stewart, Hargraves, Smith. You're going to be hearing those names a lot for for the for a good amount of time, I think. Probably at, at least, you know, a few few seasons. And I like I said Ryan Smith Still don't know yet, but how are you going to know if you don't play him? That's all I'm saying. Exactly. Uh, but feeling good about the younger guys is pretty much the message we got across there. And speaking of some of the younger guys, first-round pick Vita Veo was full participant at practice today. No, no, well, I don't even know why he's practicing. He's a bust. I don't know why he, why he needs to practice because he's already a bust. You know what's crazy is that a lot of people probably don't think you're joking right now. And I'll, I'll go on – I'll go on record and say that maybe one person watching. Oh no, no, I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely not. I'm not joking. Vita Vey is a bust. You know, Ronald Jones. <laughs> I don't even know why they drafted him. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't. I, Chris Condy's horrible. Um, the, the Bucks should cut Winston and, and start Fitzpatrick for for next year. Right. You know, right. if, if, if he retires, just trade for Tyrod Taylor and, and you're okay. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, the the Bucks need to. To trade everything for for Le'Veon Bell and yeah, I, I don't care. I don't care if you end up losing Quan Alexander. It doesn't matter. All right, so here's my question for you: Is Vita Vea playing this weekend? Yeah, yeah, we can feel good about that. Yeah, and I think he's going to start because Bo Allen's not going to play most likely. So, so Bo Allen's I think probably end up starting. Bo Allen's probably not going to play. You bring in Vita Vea, who is someone the fans have been biting to see since Ronald the preseason. Jones might play too. That's what I'm. That's what I was going to follow up with. Uh, but Vita Vea, really quick, um, do you see that affecting that front four pass rush at all? Because the one problem that we've had with the Buccaneers' pass rush so far is they're not doing a bad job. We haven't had any games with zero sacks just yet, but we just can't seem to get home. On a lot of those blitzes, consistently, yeah, consistently, um, and, uh, and building consistency. Do you think? Do you think Vita Vea is the key that can? Uh, you think? Well, maybe we'll see a little bit more out of the defensive line with Vita Vea finally in the rotation. Not, not this weekend. And you know, I, I hope fans don't have unrealistic expectations. You got to remember, this kid's a rookie. He's not. He's going to go out there and not get two sacks, and then we're going to talk about how we need to trade him. He's a rookie. <laughs> he's a rookie, and he. Didn't have a training camp or a preseason. He also dropped like what fifteen pounds. Yeah, like like you realize you know how important like having training camp and preseason is to rookies. I mean, come on now, right? So to me, it's gonna practice is good. He's getting reps in practice. That's not a game. That's you. You do more in training camp than you do during the week of a game week in practice. Because the intensity is more. Everything. He's he's not he hasn't experienced it yet, and he's gonna experience it. He's like I said, he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be starting. Uh, I do think they're gonna rotate Golston in there a lot because I think that. Yeah, they were playing. They, uh, they, they were playing Golston at D tackle. Weren't yeah, they? Yeah, well, he's, yeah, because everybody else is injured. I mean, literally on Monday night, you had Gerald McCoy and Gerald Worthy as your only two defensive tackles. Mitch Unrein yeah. out. Bo Allen out. Vita Vea out. So. Uh, Mitch Unright can come back, I believe, after week seven, which is also when Kendall Beckwith can come back, I believe. Um, so I, I haven't heard many updates on him. You're not going to really until you get a little closer. Um, Kendall Beckwith, that is. Uh, Mitch Unright, like I said, he's like disappeared off the face of the earth. So. Yeah, really, uh, dude. So, you know, he'll help when he comes back. But like I said, Vita Vea, and plus Vita Vea is not a pass rusher. He's not, right? He's... He's a he's a run a, stuffer. A run, a run, a run, he's a Halodi Nada, right? I'm not comparing <laughs> him to 
I'm not comparing him at all. But, yeah, what he does best isn't rush the passer. He's not going to get 10 sacks in a season ever, I don't think. He's going right? to plug think, the like, hole and make the stop at the line. The most sacks he'll get in a season is probably like five, five and a half. And that's okay because that's not what the Bucks need him. That's not what they drafted him to do. What they drafted him to do was because Jason Light said he was sick and tired. He didn't actually say this word for word, but it's basically what he implied. He was sick and tired of seeing his team, his defensive line, get manhandled every game, whether it was on the pass or on the run. So what did he do? He got a guy that can both rush the passer and defend the run in Vinny Curry. He got one of the best pass rushing defensive ends in Jason Bear Paul. And he said, you know what? i got to beef up the, the run defense even more. So why don't I get... Bo Allen, who's a run stuffer in Philly, want to get Mitch on Ryan, who can be versatile. And while I draft Viavea, who was the best run stuffing defensive tackle, probably defensive lineman in the the country last year. So, yeah, he's not. Don't expect too much. Okay, if it's you know if he's playing week eight, week nine, week ten, okay, then you can expect a bit more. But this first game, give give him a little bit of a break. Yeah, in in trial by fire, uh, especially in a week to week game like the National Football League, you know, I would say it's very fifty fifty. Um, I'll agree with you and say that he's not going to go out there and blow the roof off of the place. He's not going to go out there and convince everyone saying that he's a bust so far that he's just not going to change their oh, minds no, with one game. It's, it's his gonna be first... even louder. Oh, it's going to be even louder. <laughs> <laughs> it's his first get game. Ready, get ready for it. Oh, dude. They're going to uh, look at the stats and they're going to be like, he only had three tackles. What is this? Oh, man. I'm going to have to like dis- deactivate my Facebook for a couple of days after this game because that's where I see it the most. Is uh, Derwin James would have had more tackles than him. Oh, dude, all the Derwin James I have seen on my timeline the past couple of days. We're not going to talk about that right now, but let's get back to yeah, our We're not rookies. talking about that ever because <laughs> we, we, we cover the Buccaneers and not the Chargers. So. All right, let's get back to our rookies. We're talking about trial by fire with Vita Vea, not expecting him to blow the roof off the place. But let's talk about Ronald Jones, someone you said might be seeing some playing time this weekend. Now, if he does, and let's say he balls out, then everything's fine, right? That's all we can hope for. Yeah. Oh, and, and Bucks fans would be ecstatic. You know, if if he if he gets like a rushing touchdown, if he if he plays and gets like a let's say he gets know, eighty he gets yards, like a, right? Yeah. Okay. So he gets eighty yards and a touchdown or something. Yeah. You know, and and he busts off a couple twenty twenty five yard runs, maybe two of them or so. Yeah, Bucks fans are gonna go nuts. Um, and that's what they need him to do. They need him. They need him. They need him. And I think that they want to – because I think the run game has been talked about. The run game has been talked about a little bit for, through the first two weeks, but it's been talked about the most after this game because it was apparent they need a, they need help, right? Ronald Jones is just sitting there. I mean – Twiddling his thumbs, watching the Sean game Wilson, week after Sean week. Wilson, Sean Wilson didn't do much. Uh, I like Sean Wilson – Jaquiz Rogers didn't do much, but Jaquiz Rogers helps with pass protection. I probably sit Sean Wilson and dress Ronald Jones. I just do. Um, I give Ronald Jones probably six, seven carries, maybe maybe like eight carries. Um, play him on a little bit of special teams, maybe if if, if you want to. Um, I don't know how well he plays special teams. It's not really what he's been known for. 
Um, but yeah, I, I give him six, seven carries. Let him get, let him get into it. Um, if, if he gets on a roll in those six, seven carries, give it to him more. You know. Um, so yeah, it's. I think Ronald Jones in via vet. The Bucks are going to have all actually. The Bucks are going to have every single rookie on the field. That's what I'm saying. Because Freddie Martino just got cut to make room for Jameis Winston. So Justin you, you Watson, pretty much got Justin Watson picking up right where he left off. Jack, Jack Sitchie might end up going in. Right? The only one that's questionable is Alex Kappa. That's the only one that I think might not be able to see the field. Is, is I, Alex Kappa. <laughs> and me... I think Sitchie just makes it because of the injuries at linebacker and he can play special teams. Let me tell you a, a very uh, embarrassing story on my end regarding Alex Kappa. So the cool thing about watching the Bucks walk in is that you can stand right outside the locker room and watch them walk from the parking. You can pretty much watch them drive into the parking lot, get out of their cars, and walk up uh, between those barricades. But you've got some guys that don't even go that way. They'll just kind of walk past the team store. Um, Cam Brait was one of those guys. Chris Godwin was one of those guys. Ali Marpet was one of those guys. OJ Howard was one of those guys. And Alex Kappa was one of those guys. And let me tell you how bad I felt. Every player that I got the opportunity to talk to, I told them all the same thing. I said, hey guys, let's go ball out tonight, right? Let's go kick ass. (laughs) When I got the chance to talk to Alex Kappa, I forgot that he was inactive. And so I said, hey, man, ball out tonight. And he gave me the nastiest look, and I just I felt terrible immediately. Um, So, I mean, I know off of the very, very slight chance that he listens to us, uh, I know he probably doesn't, but I I would just like to apologize on record to Alex Kappa. I completely forgot he was an active, um, and I'm sure that probably didn't help his mood at all, knowing he wasn't going to be playing that night. Man, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, dude. Every other player interaction was awesome, though. Like, Levante was cool. Quan was cool. And the thing with Quan was, like, he was there, and you know how he is. He's he's definitely a fan guy. Um, but he was just talking to everybody. Like, he wasn't, you know, I, I took a picture with Vinnie Curry, and nothing against Vinnie Curry. He took a picture with me. It was great. But in the six pictures that we took, he wasn't looking at the camera for any of them. Um, and I don't know. That's just me being picky there. But, you know, Quan he took time to talk to everybody and just listen to why they were there. And it was funny because he had two Steelers fans yelling at him from across and he was just, he was just laughing and talking and he took pictures with them because they were, I guess, big LSU fans or something like that. So they just kept shouting Quan, and it was really funny. But, um, you know, you've got two different types of players, I guess, in that atmosphere. Um, Gerald McCoy, he didn't talk to anybody. He had his headphones on. He had his son with him. He walked right into the locker room. Didn't even look twice at anybody. Um, he was ready to play that day, but yeah, dude, that Alex Kappa story—it it really bugs and, me because I. Well, feel speaking bad. of which, <laughs> one more thing before I want to talk about a little bit more about Chicago, and yeah. that'll wrap this thing up. You know, you want to talk about Gerald McCoy? He plays on the defensive line, right? How about Jason Beer Paul's performance? You oh, know, dude, he is—he was a—he was a monster. So far this season, he has done nothing to like make me unhappy with his performance on the field. Um, and that roughing the passer penalty, that's that's ridiculous. But. Yeah, but he still walked away with, what, two sacks that game? Or was two it the sacks. game before? Two sacks. Two sacks. Two sacks. A two-sack performance for JPP. I believe he has the most sacks out of anyone on that D-line. I think he has a total of three. Yeah, I think he has. Yeah, he's three. That, that, that That's more than any 
Bucks defensive end got last year. So, right, and we're talking a stretch of three games. So JPP, uh, you know, hats off to him. He's out here doing his job. But this is the last thing that I wanted to kind of toss to you um, about well, JPP's Chicago. JPP's been sixteen sacks, right? Sixteen games, three games, three sacks. Sixteen games, sixteen sacks. You know, yeah. You know, you know how that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, but kind of back to Ronald Jones. Um, let's take a second and let's identify this Buccaneers run game and the problem that we have with this run game, because I've seen the question tossed tossed around about whether it's Peyton Barber, the play calling, or the offensive line. Um, and I'll go on record and say that I really don't think it's the offensive line, but you put Ronald Jones in the game. Do you think that's going to be? Uh, do you think that's going to be the factor that changes everything and, and really wakes that run game up? Because at this point, the way that I look at it, I don't know if there's anybody you can put back there to make that drastic of a change in one game. Well, I think it's. It's the offensive line and it's Peyton Barber. I think it's a combination of the two. But play calling, I mean, what you know, you, you can't. If your run game, they try to go to the run game early and it doesn't work. What are you supposed to do? You know, at halftime you're down twenty. You're not going to run the ball anymore. You know. Um, now I think it doesn't help Fitzpatrick as much the run game, but it ha- it's going to help James Winston, so it needs to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The offensive line has been improved despite a down game. They've been improved, so that'll help Jameis. But nothing really helped Jameis more than a a solid run game. It doesn't have to be great. It just has to be somewhat of a threat. Right now, the Buccaneers' run game is the exact opposite of that. They've had two good quarters. Two good, and we we had Brent Allen on right, and Brent Allen. It was after the Eagles game, and Brent Allen said, "Yeah, we've had eight quarters of football. Two of them have been good." Right from the run game, he was said he wasn't worried. I said I wasn't worried. Now it's twelve quarters and two of them have been good. That's not good enough. Yeah, now now that, now I we can worry care. a little bit. <laughs> I know Peyton. I think Peyton Barber might be showing his true colors. Um, that he's not. He's not. He 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 can't be can't be a leading running back. Uh, I hate to say it because he's a really cool dude, but. <sighs> And he works hard, but he I just don't think he can be a complete running back. And the answer is Ronald Jones. And I think the because if Ronald Jones goes out there and, and looks horrible, you need to find another running back. You do. Let's say he goes out there and looks horrible. Do you take the chance again coming out of the bye week? Or are you going to put Ronald Jones in the backfield and give him another shot? Because I feel like trial by fire for one game – if you don't get the expectations you need, you don't give up on him at that point. I mean, I'm not talking about one game though. I'm talking about like the season. Okay, I'm all right, my bad. I thought you were just talking looks, about one game. Start, I was like, slow your roll. Let, there, let's say he plays week four. He doesn't start. He's not going to start. Then let's say, then let's say, you know, week six to to week six, seven, eight, he doesn't start, but he finally gets to start week nine and then starts the rest of those games, right? If he hasn't done anything in weeks four to eight and then starts week nine and week nine to 16 still doesn't do anything, then how can trouble. you not How can you not draft or sign a running back then? How can you not? You have to. I don't care. Yeah, he's a second-round pick. Dude, if you look horrible and you've been given opportunities, like you're getting – 
14, 15 carries a game, and you're averaging two yards a carry, yeah, no, they keep Ronald Jones. Yeah, I'm not saying cut Ronald Jones. Keep him. Keep Peyton Barber as well. You know, maybe even keep Sean Wilson. But get rid of running back because at this rate, I mean, some belt, Jason Lyon just can't seem to get it right with running backs. I don't know. Had a chance to draft Darius Geis and didn't. That, honestly, that might have bothered me the, bothered me more than the Vita Vea thing. Vita Vea over Jerome James. Drafting Ronald Jones over Darius Geis. Not even – I like Jones coming out. But I thought Geis was one of the elite players in that class. And for some reason, which everybody said, oh, off-field issues that they wouldn't disclose, that hasn't – nothing's come up. <laughs> right, that's nothing, nothing that's held about him back Darius, so far. Nothing about Darius Geis' pass has come up. And that's the reason he fell. And the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers passed on twice. Now, granted, the second time they already had, they had already picked Ronald Jones. So it's not like you know they didn't pick Ronald Jones. And then, but I, I don't know, man. We'll see. He needs he needs touches though. He needs yeah, touches. Definitely, and that's something we need to see. That Buccaneers offense hopefully going to be picking right back up where they left off. Um, and let's hope we see a good game against Chicago because, as we had mentioned beginning of the show, the Buccaneers do find ways to struggle against the 3-4 defenses and the Bears, a very high-powered 3-4 defense, probably one of the most entertaining to watch in the league right now uh, with the defensive side of the ball. But, buddy, we're kind of wrapping up here. If you if you want to um, if you want to wrap things up here, Let's just go ahead. Let's get our uh, let's get our MVP predictions. Who have you got having a big game this game? Because we've got a lot of pressure on a lot of guys, as you had mentioned. A lot of rookies on the field. Every single rookie, pretty much, going to be on the field at one point during this game. Um, and I mean, not even just the rookies, but who on that football field is going to need to have a big game, and who do you think is going to have a big game? Well, who's going who's going to need to have a big game is Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's who's going to need to have a big if he starts, which is most likely. Yeah, who's going to need to have a big game? Is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, who's going to have a big game? I'm gonna ride the hot hand. I'm gonna go JPP. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna say Jason Pierre-Paul gets another sack this week. I like it, man. I like it. Now, my pick is someone who. You know, I, I really wanted to pick Mike Evans. I did, because Mike Evans has had a great year so far. I was far. thinking about now. I was thinking about him, know, or, him or Chris Godwin. Yeah. I was thinking, like, Godwin redemption game. You know, he had a horrible game last game. Going to come out, but I was like, eh, no. Okay. I wanted to say Mike Evans. Um, and recently, guys, Mike Evans actually did just break the Buccaneers' touchdown record. 35 touchdown passes. He past Jimmy Giles in the all-time yeah. Buccaneers receiving uh, touchdown list. It's crazy. And he's so, only four or five years in. That's, exactly. That's nice. And and he is now the uh, he's now the number one Buccaneer in history by the numbers. Um, and that's something you just can't argue with. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, my breakout player is going to be Chris Godwin because he had a bad Rick. week last week. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I, gonna... I like I said, that's what I was thinking too. It's just I decided again. I decided to go on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna, glad I'm, you. Went, but... I'm, I'm glad you and I are on the same page. But I've got Chris Godwin, man. I think the Bucks are gonna find a way to get him the football. I think him and Ryan Fitzpatrick are gonna mesh. 
And, you know, he had a great touchdown last week. Let's not take that away from him. He did probably play the worst yeah. game of his career. But that touchdown, he just jumped up and grabbed it. I mean, he got up there. Yeah, I mean, he did. But he's the type of guy, he's a very, very hungry football player. We've seen it time and time again. He is just a guy who is out there to do his best in his position. Uh, And that's what I think he's going to do Sunday against the Bears. I don't know if they're going to be able to stop him. Chris Godwin is going to have a huge game. Okay, so who who do you think has to have a big game? Not who you think has to have a big game. Who do you think has to have a big game? Who do I think has to have a big game? Jordan Whitehead. I think if we're going to feel good about the future of that young secondary and the way that it looks right now, I'll say Jordan Whitehead has to at least prove that he's the guy we can be comfortable about in that position. Now, if he goes out there and has a terrible game, I, I can't really see the Buccaneers making a decision on it that week. Like, I can't see them going out and signing a safety to replace Whitehead. You know what I mean? That's not something I see happening. Um, but I think if he's going to make us feel good about him being in the backfield the rest of the year, he's got to have a pretty big game. So I'll say Jordan Whitehead. He's definitely getting the season. He's definitely getting the season. Now, we see Rojo play. That's another story. But that's something, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to see. Um, yeah. Like I said, could be a lot of rookies on the field for the Bucks this week. Definitely. 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 Um, now, I had said we were going to – address some of the live chat questions at the end we're going to take one and this is one that i've had my eye on ever since it was posted and then we're going to wrap things up here guys uh, but this is from ramirez yt uh who will be the better rookie vita vea or rojo so you got to pick at the end oh, of the season no. who's going to <laughs> do more for the team and, and let me just say now i think it's going to be vita vea yeah pray i i agree probably Vita Vea. just because i think Vita Vey is going to end up, like I said, he's going to end up starting, and Ronald Jones is still going to have to work his way into getting more carries than Peyton Barber, and even when that, they're not going to hand off to Ronald Jones every time. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Vita Vey. All right. All right. This last one here uh, from Ramirez YT as well. What would you guys' reaction be if the Bucks trade for Bell? I'd be very disappointed in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as an organization if they found a way to trade for Bell because I know it probably wouldn't be anything – that's worth the price on his head right now. Um, I mean, what would your reaction be? This is the last one we'll take. Kind of pumped? <laughs> am, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'd be pumped. wrong for saying that? I'd be pumped. Don't get me wrong. Because, you know, that's something we talked about the most here on the show today was the running back position. But, uh, I mean, let's be honest. I don't think there's a way we could get Le'Veon Bell on this team without giving up the farm. You know? Well, I'm well. Honestly, I don't. That's not that's not the biggest deal to me. I don't think the Steelers are going to get that much for him. Like, I mean, may, probably a first round pick, but maybe like a first and like a sixth or something. I don't feel like they're going to get that much for him. The problem for me is paying him afterwards. Yeah, that makes you gotta sense pay, too. And and you have Ali Marpet. This would be fine if this was two three years ago. I'd be all for it, right? Yeah. I would be all for it because then. You know, contracts over time they stretch out and they get sometimes they get smaller and smaller and smaller and the cap keeps rising, so you end up having more salary. Like I saw, like on um, I forget, it might have been CapFriendly or something dot com that they had like like the Bucks have like twenty five million dollars in cap for next year projected for next free agency. Yeah, and then I showed I saw like twenty twenty and it showed like eighty one or whatever. 
and like the highest was like 99 or something and then like 2021 it's like 115 or whatever because they're not they're they're not accounting for they're they're not predicting extensions or anything so that would be like if the if nobody signed any contract extensions like the highest is like the Colts were like 200 some million if they signed nobody to a contract extension or something it, it was it was pretty wild yeah but we've also got to take into account just the natural inflation of the NFL just recently because you know when the Buccaneers had inked the deal with Mike Evans we had said I think the Bucks did this at the right time because you're going to see guys who hadn't been paid yet, and at that time it was guys like Odell. You know their prices are only going to go up, um, and so that's just the natural inflation. Good contracts, yeah. Um, but I don't know, man. Le'Veon Bell comes to Tampa. Maybe my fantasy team will do a little bit better because I'm pretty sure I'm like uh, three right now in both of my yeah. leagues. Well, I'm. I guarantee your fantasy team would do better because in Tampa he'd actually play. So. That's true. That's yeah, true. So, I mean, hey, I, 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 by the way, guys, it's not happening. They're not getting Le'Veon Bell. Just honestly, <laughs> not even because of, not even because of what you'd have to give up, but because of paying him afterwards. That, that's why. It was like I said. I don't think the price is going to be too high. I think the Bucks would actually do it at the price. But yeah. it, it, it would be different if Le'Veon Bell had three years left on his contract that was making eight million dollars a year. That's different. Rather than him having one year left, already he has to sign a franchise tag, which would be like twelve million dollars, and then he wants like sixteen million dollars. That's a lot different than eight million. So it's just the the salary reasons are the reasons that the Bucks won't do it. Yeah, definitely not going to be able to afford it in the long run. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for watching live with us on YouTube or listening on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can follow the show on Instagram at Cannon Fire Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Cannon Fire Pod. You can follow my co-host Evan at Bucks Wave, formerly Bucks Football. You can also find him at Bucks Football on Twitter and Instagram as well. Check out our partners at PewterReport.com for some of the best Bucks coverage in the game. And check out our sponsors at CoolTowel.com. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan. And we'll see you next time. Go box. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.